more than half of young Australians, and I would say that it's way higher now, um, I have no idea what they want to do. I feel a lot of one of their biggest problems is figuring out their future. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about startups who have been there and done it or are right here and doing it in sunny Western Australia. My name's Charlie Gunningham. And I'm Danelle Cross. And on this episode, we will talk with the inspirational Elizabeth Knight, who is the founder of Purposeful, an organisation that lets school and uni students find their why. Hi, Elizabeth. Welcome to Startup West. Great to have you here. Hi, Charlie and Danelle. Thank you so much for having me. So, Purposeful. Can you yes. explain what that is? Yes, I'm well practiced at my elevator pitch about now. Um, so, Purposeful is an edtech startup helping students find direction and purpose in their life after school. So, we have an on-demand careers advice service called The Lost Button, which essentially um, you share a problem or a question you're facing about your future and we share a bunch of personalised ideas designed to help you get unstuck fast. But we also run a whole bunch of programs with schools across the state um, focused on purpose discovery and and self-exploration. So helping students to learn the one subject you don't really learn about in school, which is yourself and, Mm. you know, who you are and what you want to do with your future. So this probably came from your own experience at school? You had no purpose at school? I did. (laughs) I had lots of purpose at school and then... I think uh, I've heard this analogy before about our education system here that Mm. kind of feels like when you graduate being pushed off a a cliff a bit Mm. and then build the parachute on the way down, right? right? Um, I think that definitely was my experience in that. Yeah, I'd done really well on paper but had no idea what I wanted to do Mm. or how to figure that out and felt quite alone in that experience. Mm. Mm. And this idea, was it sort of germinating when you were in high school? Yeah, I had been lucky to be exposed to the personal development sort of world when I was at school. Mm -hmm. I went on a leadership conference that was a bit like Tony Robbins, but for high school kids (laughs) in LA. And it was very intense, very Americanized, and but it totally changed my mindset about life. And the one really clear takeaway was that you know, you can create your own definition of success. Like you can literally do anything that you put your mind to. And when you're 15 and you get that message sort of um, embedded in your brain by Mm. some of the most successful people in the world, it tends to stick. Mm. (laughs) So I was sort of exposed to, hey, there's this different way of doing things. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how I could bring that here and what that could look like, Mm. but it was always in the back of my mind. I wonder how adolescents decide on their career or even their first job. Yes. You know, I've got, a 19 and a 17-year-old, and I thought I was going to be an engineer at school. Then I had no idea where that (laughs) idea came from. Obviously, it wasn't to be. (laughs) And ended up choosing the wrong subjects as a result because they were the subjects that would get you to become an engineer. And then I didn't like the subjects and realised I didn't want to be an engineer. But Mm. it was a bit late. Yes. It's already well into my A-levels in England by then. So is it um, peer pressure is it parents? What mm. is it? Or is it, is, mm. there's careers advice, obviously. What is it that I think that influences? Lo- from what I, uh, from my experience, a lot of students don't make a conscious decision. And that's a big part of the problem mm. is they just do whatever's put in front of them as being the mm. next step. Like going to university was sort of what was expected of me. Mm. Um, but for other people, they maybe don't have expectations of them. They may be expected to not you know, become much of anything and that's equally as damaging. So the that's that's a big problem is that 
a lot of young people don't feel like they're in the driver's seat of the decisions about yeah. their careers. Mm. They just have a, a path and they have to do that. Um, but then certainly parents are a huge influence yeah. um, for good and for bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think generally though most of the pressure that I, I see now is less actually from parents or teachers or your friends. It's it's from themselves. Mm. Like they have high expectations of themselves or um, pressures of, of performing or becoming a certain thing. And when they fail to meet those, then mm. that's when that's when things really start to fall apart. Um, but we try and work with all of those stakeholders in that equation because just working with the students isn't always enough. Mm. If then they go home and the conversation with their parents is completely different. Um, and similarly at school, if you're still being yep. pushed to get high grades above, you know, learning about yourself, then it's, it's conflicting priorities mm. that they're being told from everybody. And at what age do you target? At what age do you start Mm. to have these conversations? Yeah, we start sort of 14, 15. In particular, the um, can of worms sort of opens in in year 10 when they have to make their subject selections for year 11 and 12. And I'll I'll meet kids as young as year 8, so Mm. 12 or 13, Mm. who are worried about their university choices, Mm. which is just um, terrifying, like that that is – you know, a big problem at such a young age now. Um, but then we also work with school leavers and university students at those key moments of transition, which tend to be where you're most stressed, right? Which is mm-hmm. about to graduate, what next? Or, you know, I'm going to the end of my uni degree. How do I find a job? Um, all those key kind of points mm-hmm. of transitions where we mm-hmm. can be most helpful. Mm-hmm. And do you have to sell to the school? That's how you get paid. So you're running workshops yeah. in what extracurricular time yeah. or curricular time or what? A bit of everything. We right. are bootstrapped the business through the school's work that we've done, which mm-hmm. has been awesome. And now we're starting to get really good traction and momentum there. Um, so we run uh, boot camps and longer term programs in high schools that are designed to help students from um, sort of purpose discovery, so more self-exploration, but also career accelerator programs. So that's really where we've taken a whole bunch of the learnings that we've developed as a startup and applied them to figuring out your career path. So actually experimenting, testing and prototyping different jobs and validating your assumptions about what you think a, a career is going to be like. For example, right. engineering, like you mentioned, mm. not waiting to you get to the right. grad job point before you actually mm. try out what that's like. Um, so that's a lot about applying or innovative thinking to career design, um, mm. which when you look at the curriculum for a lot of schools at the moment, there actually often isn't a curriculum. There maybe right. isn't even a career advisor. Um, and if there is, then it probably hasn't changed in 20 years. Mm. And that's happening at our top schools across the state. So there's a lot of work to be done. It must be tough space. though selling to schools. It, <laughs> it's a tough it's a tough, tough organisation. They don't have a lot of money. Yes. Presumably the private schools do, but there's an awful lot of people trying to sell to them. Yes. It's a but tough market. Are you in a private and public sector? Mm. Yeah. And I think for me, the schools, it, my long-term vision is to build, you know, a tech solution that can empower us to be more scalable and sustainable. Um, but the schools are an awesome environment for us to learn and actually mm. build really great solutions for them. So we've been quite strategic and aligned ourselves with schools that are already quite purposeful and that they're mm-hmm. open to new ways of thinking and really open to us coming in and flipping everything upside down mm-hmm. and actually trying a new way of doing things and building longer term relationships with them 
um, so that they're our partners in that and they almost co-design, you know, our solutions as we go. And through that, that's where so many of our new ideas for more tech-based products and mm. solutions have come from come. is by being immersed in that environment. Um, but it's really hard. I think a lot, and everyone says that, but it's still so important. Mm. <laughs> like I've been really motivated to try and crack that challenge and find a way to um, deliver something that's really impactful to students, but also serves the education system ultimately. And is it right? you on your own? You've got a team? <laughs> I have a team now, right. a growing team, which is very exciting. One of the, I think, proudest achievements still, and probably for most founders, is is growing something from mm. just you to other people. Um, so we've got five people on our team and we're growing a pool of facilitators for our programs. So most of the school stuff is almost starting to run by itself, which is very cool. Um, and then now working on, like I said, more of the tech side of things as well. Mm. And how long has Pur- Purposeful been going for? A long time in my head. <laughs> um, I've probably, I've been working full time on it since uh, March last year. So mm-hmm. also when the pandemic Interesting hit. timing. Mm. I know, you can't go through an interview without <laughs> mentioning it, you unfortunately. You can't, unfortunately. But it was a blessing for me. I um, I think if I hadn't had that happen, would have wasted a lot more time. <laughs> yeah. Because that forced me to, I couldn't keep myself busy with coffee chats or networking events or a lot of things that wasn't really going to move the needle on my business had to sit there and kind of really confront the things in myself that maybe I wasn't doing quite right or um, and really take that leap of faith and mm. go go for it because what else was I going to do? Mm. <laughs> right. and, I, yeah. and do you think it also changed your customers? So do you think schools yeah. because of the COVID Hugely. situation that they're now more open to yeah this discovery? It accelerated that problem incredibly. Mm. Mm. And so I had schools that I had met with maybe six months before who were like, no, not interested. We already mm. do this. That's often a problem is that mm-hmm. say, no, no, we, our, our students are already, you know, they're know fine. Their purpose. They're fine. They're good. <laughs> I get that all the time. And I'm like, oh, have you asked them? Like, yeah. Because yeah. I have. How would you know yes. if you had? <laughs> so, but then um, literally months, within months of the pandemic starting had, conversations with them again and they'd completely done a 180 Mm. and um, so we got a number of really key partnerships at that time that have kind of set us on that growth trajectory Um, but also for students because suddenly the Mm. whole world had to stop and um, one thing that I've discovered is certainly most people uh, redirect towards that more purposeful path when they take space away Mm. from you know all the pressures and expectations of them and people were doing that and needed support to work those things out. They were reflecting but didn't have the structure to do it with. So a bunch of our, you know, our community really grew from that mm, time yeah, because people were were craving it, craving yeah. purpose. So can you share how many schools or students yeah. been through your programs yes. and that sort of numbers? I think oh, it needs an update, but it's at least 5,000 now. That, what? Yeah, which is really cool. It's terrific. 5,000 um, people? Touched at least through what wow. we do, um, which is awesome. And like I said, we're in a really key phase of growth at the moment in terms of amplifying all our schools' work, um, bringing on heaps of new schools as we speak. Um, so next year is shaping up to be a big year, <laughs> mm. which is epic. Awesome. Yeah. And Incredible. how have you funded Purposeful thus yes. far? Uh, precariously, haphazardously. <laughs> I was able to take the leap last year. I had a bit of savings and also a scholarship that I'd won that let me get started. Um, but I I think 
honestly not having a lot of funding behind me to begin with was such a blessing because it forced me to make money. Mm. Like it forces yeah. you to innovate, mm. right? And you see so many people that um, I've met a number of them even in the last week who have so much money behind them to begin with that they're not really driven to solve a customer problem. They're just driven right. to create cool stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we all love doing, yep. but doesn't make you money. So mm. I've had to then, yeah, really force me to make um, the school's work and whatnot um, scalable and profitable um, and that's been able to bootstrap the mm-hmm. majority of the right. work since then um, but still tough obviously like as any startup founder will tell you yeah <laughs> especially yeah. in the beginning yeah, yeah. So about 18 months in have you got a sort of I bet you have <laughs> idea of where you'll be in five years time Ooh, um that's yeah interesting actually I I find that for me I have this long long-term vision of what I want to change right. in the world and how the education system should and could be. But it's way easier to then focus on like an 18-month runway max because mm-hmm. as we know, um, we can't predict accurately <laughs> more than that you know, for that far ahead around, mm. you know, what what's actually going to be mm. coming up and what opportunities will there be. Longer term, I want to create a business that's really purposeful so it actually impacts young people. And I think that's key because a lot of ed tech startups um, solely sca- sell, sell to schools. Mm. And my goal, the problem I was always trying to crack was how can I, you know, develop a business model that's going to empower students to be impacted first because when you're working with schools or any other stakeholder, you're meeting their needs and solving their problems first, which aren't always aligned to what the Mm -hmm. students need. Um, So that's what I really want to crack in a scalable way. Um, and I hope it will be something that lives beyond me too because, um, yeah, my my expiry date as a young person is, <laughs> is, is coming up. You still have a long way to go. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm really conscious of that, that I want, you know, it to live beyond me and, and oh. other people's stories as they become more relevant. And so you're in WA at the moment. So yeah. is it Australia? Is, is it normal yeah. sort of aspiration to go Australia-wide and international? And yeah, that's for the, sure. That's the thought. Yeah, I think um, I am thinking global though from the beginning, especially with um, more of the tech side of things like in the online programs and whatnot that we've built and are building because they're especially every other, you know, spot in the world, young people are potentially in lockdown or in a way worse situation mm, than yeah. they are in WA and purpose is obviously essential in those times. Mm. So there's not really any reason to not do that, to not be global straight away. And the program's done already online. Like it's 100% been the case, having people from mm. Sydney to Mumbai to um, where else, Stockholm, like all over the place. And it's it's a really universal problem. You've So you've already had yeah, yeah. students from 100%. those locations? Yeah. Wow. Yep. So it's really – and in our community generally we do um, without actually actively seeking out a lot of those people, mm. which is really awesome. Um, indicators mm. and yeah. competitors. Any other businesses globally that, or in Australia, yeah. that that are sort of doing something similar? Yeah, there's a lot of really cool tech emerging in this space, which excites me. Um, particularly, I think one of the big ones would be Year Thirteen here, um, which are almost Year Thirteen being you know the year in school, right. the, mm-hmm. the first year out of school that mm-hmm. you, you didn't get, um, but. I don't really see them as competition in a sense. I think because we're, this is such a systemic change, you really do need more than one Absolutely. company working towards that. Mm. And um, lately, actually, a lot of people that you would 
arguably say our competitors, like I've been working with them and yep. alongside them because it's too hard. Otherwise, when you're trying to influence the education system, you just can't do it on your own. Definitely. <laughs> Hi, just jumping in here to give a shout out to our wonderful sponsors. Without these, we would not be able to bring you this podcast or do what we do at Startup News either. So we want to thank Startup News who produced the Startup West podcast. Go there and subscribe, please. Spacecube Coworking Spaces, where we also record this pod down here at Riff in the city. The New Industries Fund, who give funding, advice and support all year round. Curtin University, who have been a long-time supporter of innovation entrepreneurs in WA. The City of Perth, where we also record this pod, also a great supporter of the tech scene. RSM, who came on board last year, and who helped many startups with R&D tax returns and other advice. Dinner Twist, a WA startup itself, who has actually been on the podcast and just wanted to help out. So please, if you bump into any of these organizations and the people that run them, say thanks and go use their services. That's the best way to say thanks. Okay, now back to the show. So Elizabeth, can we take you back through your career from your schooling? Are you Perth, WA born and raised? Yes, I am. Yep. Yes, I am from Gooseberry Hill of all places. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Fabulous. And where In did you go hills. to school? Um, I went, so I went to Gooseberry Hill Primary School yep. and then I, thank goodness, someone tapped me on the shoulder and sort of got me out of there <laughs> before <Okay>. high school. <laughs> As in, it was very much small town mindset and right. parts of the hills still are and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I was I was very bored at primary school mm. and I got tapped on the shoulder to do a test to get into this special school and um, that was Perth Mod. And at the time when I applied, like or did the test, it was very much still a place where the, the one kid in primary school that didn't quite fit in or that was a bit mm. of a nerd, which was right. me in both categories, sort of was brought to this place and everybody loved learning and it was genuinely a really awesome high school experience and I think a lot of people don't get that where you're surrounded by mm-hmm. people and teachers that really want to be there um, right. and love it. So I actually loved high school um, and then it was only when I graduated that I realised how I got to uni and honestly was super um, unimpressed <laughs> by oh. the, the difference because I'd come from this place where learning was really valued to this place where you really were just a number and hmm. especially in the beginning um, there was there was no support. I sort of was waiting for that point where someone was going to help tap you, to you on the shoulder tap again. you on the shoulder Elizabeth, again. Elizabeth, this is going to be your yeah. career. I'll help mm. you to even, you know, have a conversation about that. And I found myself going through this stress and anxiety completely on my own because mm. you didn't want to risk looking, you know, silly by asking someone else if they were feeling the same way. Right. And the stats show that that's totally the case, that more than half mm. of young Australians, and I would say that it's way higher now, um, I have no idea what they want to do or, or feel a lot of one of their biggest problems is figuring out their future. Mm. And we have no sort of unbiased or structured support. Um, mm. The careers advisors at universities, ultimately, you know, they want you to be at university and study right. that degree and and that's fine, but it's not necessarily the right thing for everybody. And there are actually stats that show um, I think that when um, you change a degree, you're then that much more likely to drop out. And so there's often an underlying uh, incentive mm. to keep you in the degree. Mm. Um, so, yes, I did so find it very helpful. School, so you, you, but you went to do a degree. So the degree must have been in something. Yes. So what was that in and what was that? What was yeah. the point of that? And yes. What was it going towards? Or you still had no idea. Yes. You were just keeping it general and open. This was genuinely my decision-making uh 
thoughts was that I'm not good at math and science, so I can't be an engineer or a doctor, um, so I've, I've got to be a lawyer. <laughs> so ah. I thought that I was going to be a lawyer. That's what I told people to stop them from asking right. me um, mm. what my plan was. And so I studied management, political science and international relations management because I liked the idea of leadership and right. it sounded like the closest thing to that. It sounds grown up. Mm-hmm. It sounds very grown up. And um, politics and international relations to culture myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because but I not felt, a law degree. But not a law degree okay. uh, as postgrad. So I had that ah. I had that lined up and it kept um, kept people, people happy to right. know that, like you know, I'm going parents somewhere. Parents and friends. I'm, and, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, so you're at uni and so just talk us through that, that process of how you then, yeah. you know, left uni to, yes. to go to Purposeful. Yes. So I was in my first year and I stumbled across Bloom, mm. which um, as many of the audience will know is a youth entrepreneurship hub at mm. UWA. And that was really interesting because it was the first place that I um, realised, hey, you don't have to choose a job. You could create your own job. Mm. I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship until then. Now when I meet high school kids, they're like, yeah, of course you can be an entrepreneur. Like the, mm. it's the the wave or the ripples mm. have sort of um, uh, pushed on to the next generation. But for me, I didn't know that. So that was like a, a huge mm. light bulb moment. Mm. And I think just being then surrounded by other people who are doing it, obviously then, you know, your role mm. models and peers are other people that are giving it a go. So it gave me a lot more confidence that at some point I wanted to try it yep. for myself. And I think that's yeah. when I first came across you. You were yes. one of the directors <laughs> at Bloom. There were yeah. four yes. think, people running it. Yes. So this is now what, 2017, 18? Yes. Mm. yes. Yeah. Mm. And for those who don't know, it's, a, it's, I suppose, the first co-working space in a university mm-hmm. at St. Cat's mm. at UWA. Mm. Um, and so that must be about six, five, six years old now. Yes, mm. le- oh, well and truly, yeah. yes. Mm. But it's yes. not just for UWA students. No, it's no. across the yeah. Yeah. universities right. as well. Exactly. But it's located at UWA. So mm. you got right into that and then from there I think you sort of found the startup scene as yes. well. The startup scene found you. Yes, a bit of both. Mm. I think that was an awesome um, channel to be exposed to all the opportunities and people like yourselves that are out there and I made it sort of a big part of my mission at that time to help other people to do that because – if I hadn't, you know, had my hand held to, to be shown, hey, these are where the conversations are happening. This is where the community mm. is. I don't know if I would have found it so quickly. So we played a big part in actually connecting young people with mm. the ecosystem, and mm. um, which was awesome. And it finally gave me the kick up the butt I needed to mm. actually um, jump into my own venture at mm. the end. Yes, mm. and do uni along the way on mm. the side. <laughs> Back at school, did you think, lawyer just to keep people quiet or do you have no idea? I I didn't have a passion. I didn't have a passion and that right. frustrated me. Mm, I knew I wanted right. to do something impact focused, but I didn't right. have that problem or that thing mm. and which made me get very frustrated. A lawyer seemed like the closest mm. thing and there was a lot of expectation to be successful. I think um, that idea of if you're smart enough to do it, why wouldn't you do it? Right. <laughs> you know, what if what sort of a bit crazy to think, hey, I don't want to be a lawyer or a doctor, even though I could be, I'm gonna be a teacher, which is horrible that we still think in that way. But it's it's what people An perceive. expectation, your expectation on yourself, or mm. do you think outside expectations? Everyone at my school went to uni. You know, everybody mm. that I was surrounded by took up those jobs. Mm. And so I don't and necessarily probably the same uni. Yes, mm. yes. Yeah. And 
even, and that meant that, you know, nobody had to say it necessarily. It was just what you saw and what, what happened. Yes. And I, my parents were always really supportive, but I think my parents' generation, um, you know, have an understanding of what job security is that made sense when they were looking for it, but it's really different now. You don't get job security from being in one career your whole life you mm-hmm. have to be agile and innovative and I know that now and they do too from <laughs> listening You've to taught me. them. I've taught them yeah. um, and shown them that uh, but it's a really different mindset I think a lot of young people we meet have that that sort of tension is that their mm, parents yeah. have a totally different understanding mm. of careers and to what they actually are like now. Mm. Yeah. What's it like going straight from university to running your own business? Mm. I don't meet many people <laughs> have done that. I mean mm. I didn't do my startup till I was well into my 30s. Mm. Um, and I think I can only think of one other person in Perth who's doing that right now, yeah. Mahalo from Invitus. Yeah. You probably know Mahalo. Got to have him on the pod in the <laughs> year. We will. And, I, and I, it's a silly question because it is your experience. How could I ask you what it's like? Because it's mm. what you're doing. But you're running a company. Like, mm. How on earth did you learn to do that mm. straight out of uni? Mm. I, I, for me, there's this risk associated with startups, but it was a bigger risk for me to go into a job that I knew I didn't want to do. And and I could see all of the people who were a couple years ahead of me in those companies and jobs that were mapped out for me that were hating it, that were super already unfulfilled, hating already mm. hating it. And I just thought, you know, that's going to be there waiting for me. This might not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the passion or the the timing for this isn't always going to be there. Mm. If I can make yeah. my, a full-time job out of this, like, why would I jump to those other sort of, in my mind, secondary um, opportunities? So that drove my decision. But then also the naivety, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is super That's helpful. That's every startup founder knows almost exactly, no matter what your age. Exactly. And that was that gave me, um, that was incredibly helpful to begin with, um, but also really hard. And it just forced me to build a network really quickly and to ask people for help. And as soon as my mindset has shifted from having to be the expert, I think that's another thing about being young. You're not expected mm. to be the expert. Um, so you can learn and fail and, and screw up and that's and okay. Presumably it's an advantage because the school yes. kids see you you're not that much older than them. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's not it's not about experience, right? Age doesn't equal experience. It's about oh. relevancy to that market at that point in time at the right point in time. And um, I had that and had that momentum behind me. Mm. So mm-hmm. I and I'm also very stubborn and anytime someone tells me I can't do You're something driven. that I'm mm. driven and stubborn. Yeah. Good. No, no. Um, good. So that really spurred me on. But what about running a business? That's different again. <laughs> it's very different. Notice how you have a yes. wonderful answer. You didn't answer my question, but I love the answer <laughs> and the answers you gave. Because running a business, right yeah. down to the nuts and bolts yeah. of doing zero or accounting yeah. or bass statements or wages or running contractors mm-hmm. and just doing cash mm. flow and mm. it's been a slow slow learning journey right. steep steep learning curve right, right in the deep end doing yeah that from day yeah one. With, you, with, a, with a pandemic thrown in yeah, yeah. mentors and advisors how have you and the internet learned? i think that's yeah. the thing it's never been um easier to start a business in mm. that way because there's so much support out there and i knew who to go to mm. for help mm. so i wish i'd done that sooner and more aggressively tried to get people to help me as opposed to trying to figure it all out on my own. But Mm. yeah, I also realized though that age aside, a lot of people don't know how to do those things and the basics Mm. take a lot of time because there's not necessarily one place you can go to learn all the things you really need to know. 
when you're starting a company mm. and running a business. You know, you can learn it from a book, sure, but in, a lot of the learnings come from doing, <laughs> doing mm. it. Yes. And who do you admire, Elizabeth, as a startup mm. leader, whether that's here in WA or, or, or globally? Yeah. Mm. Um, the first person that came to mind was Andrew Athwaite, who I don't know if you've had yeah, him on the show. Have, mm-hmm. yes. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to work with Andrew uh, last year, so that was a proper job, I guess, although it was a startup, so maybe it doesn't count. Um, and he was a mentor of ours at Bloom and then honestly just one of the most purpose-driven mm. leaders, I think, mm-hmm. and for those that don't know him, was one of, I would say, he wouldn't describe himself this way, but one of the founding sort of people that drove a lot of momentum and community in mm-hmm. the startup sure. scene here. Yeah. And now he's working on his own venture that's um, about ocean health health and Mm. human wealth. I think I've mixed that up. Sorry, Andrew, Mm. forever. And, yeah, he was a really awesome person to work for because we're very different people in terms of our working styles, but he's just such a respectful person that it was really interesting because we we learnt so much from working with each other, at least I did, um, in our approach to solving problems and whatnot. So, yeah, he's really great. Awesome. Very good. That's great. All right. Um, we're going to finish with a rapid mm, quick fire. We are. We are, That's Charlie. Right. Do you we kick are. Us I'll off? kick us off. No. Okay. Elizabeth, what's the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? Purpose and and sticking to it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you were to wave your magic wand over the local startup scene, what would you wish into being or perhaps wish away? Mm. Go on, say it. Go on. <laughs> pausing. We'll pause that one. <laughs> I would say I, I do wish there were more young people around. And I, right. I wish that Perth um, realised how connected it is to the rest of the world. I think we talk about that a lot. But I as a younger person, I think, have connected myself really quickly with young people across the globe that are doing things like me. And so I can see what else is out there and I have, you know, I guess perspective on the way that things are done elsewhere and the opportunities that are out there. And I think the more that we remember that, the better because we'll learn faster and grow faster too. Mm. What's one piece of advice for youth that are wanting, might be wanting to get into the startup scene? I always get asked this and I always don't have an answer straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, one, start with a problem um, mm-hmm. that you do care about because it's hard. So if you don't have something that is really sticky for you and really frustrates you or really drives you, then you, you're, gonna, you're not going to succeed at it. So try and find that first. And then be um, uh, really proactive about educating yourself and Mm -hmm. taking other people's opinions and advice on by the end of the day make your own decisions because it it was quite easy to get swept up into what people are telling you is true the more you the more educated you are the better choices you can make for yourself yeah presumably if if you start early it you've got less to risk in some ways Mm. you own less literally Mm. own less assets yes you might own a car a few clothes you've got less to lose exactly and you've also got time to recover if it doesn't go well Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. you can always go and get that corporate job if you want it yes and the the skills that you learn you know when you ask how do you you start a company uh all of those things are just so so valuable i know how to do things that i would never ever have been driven to learn about Mm -hmm. in a job because when it's your own company and it's you on you the line, to. you mm. have to learn. Mm. So right. I think it's a great way to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, how can anyone listening to this help you? 
They can follow us on Instagram, listen right. to my podcast as well, The Lost Button, um, or uh, just can any if if you're if you've got young people that maybe your kids or um, connected to any schools, then I'd love to hear from you because we're on a mission, yeah, to shake up how the system works and to make mm. it a lot more empowering. And how um, do they connect with students. you? Apart from LinkedIn, Instagram. LinkedIn, 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 purposeful dot org dot au dot org dot au. I, I'm everywhere. <laughs> you certainly are. I went to my university alumni event the other night and she's emceeing it. Perfect. Amazing. She's everywhere. It's fabulous. She's everywhere. And speaking of trying to get away from everywhere, what do you do to get away from it all, to rest, oh. relax and recoup? I love a good walk, a good book, mm. or um, that's something I'm really proactive about doing because for me, if I am not on purpose or kind of, sort of clear about where I'm going it's really hard to move fast but so that's taking that space to you know journal or reconnect with myself is essential to being a good business owner and yeah Mm. startup I think fantastic thanks Elizabeth it's been brilliant listening to you and and talking with you and I wish you all the best um, with Purposeful into the future I'd like to thank our sponsors too Startup West podcast is produced by the mighty Startup News go there to all about what's happening in the local startup community made possible by support from our generous sponsors Space Cubed Coworking Spaces where we record this the New Industries Fund from Jitsi Curtin University the City of Perth RSM and Dinner Twist and we recorded this podcast at the Riff Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth Western Australia don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite pod platform so the latest episodes appear in your feed and if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Thanks Elizabeth. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks, Charlie.